Welcome back to Building a More Resilient World, sponsored by Fusion Risk Management. This podcast is where we discuss the basics of operational resilience, business continuity, and risk management. Today, we are discussing 2022 trends. My name is Bridget Anders, and we will be speaking with three amazing experts. Safi Raza, Director of Cybersecurity, Lauren Kornetik, Compliance Solutions Manager, and Paula Fontana, Senior Director of Product Marketing. Thank you all for being here today. Excited to get this started. Let's get the conversation going with Lauren. What upcoming trends do you foresee to be key in 2022? The, the couple of trends that, that I would flag are this new move to having personal accountabilities for directors, officers, and executives as part of regulation. And then in the U.S., there's you know, the ability to sue them individually. And that's, that's not something that's like been super common in the U.S. And then the, the next one is not really a regulation, but I, I want to raise it because I think it's important. Insurance companies um, have started to use ESG programs and, and cybersecurity programs as part of their risk modeling. So while it's not regulatory per se, it kind of like fits into that area of, you know, things you need to do to, to successfully mitigate risk because everybody needs an insurance policy. Then this like whole concept of supervisory convergence in the European Union and, and how that will impact people doing business um, in Europe. Big example of that, that everybody's talking about is Dora. Dora focuses solely on IT risk management and a component of the focus of Dora is, is you know, how you manage your most sensitive data and, and data privacy. And data privacy is not something that's gonna go away. You know, There's this patchwork framework we have in the US that's emerging. We've got continued emerging global framework, um, and it it impacts you know upstream and downstream cyber regulations, regulations related to supply chain, and then also how breach response plans and incident management plans are run if there is a privacy incident. So that that's kind of my rundown on what I see happening. Uh, you mentioned one of the things that uh, is on my list as well, uh, Lauren, and that is the cyber insurance. Obviously, we had so many unprecedented attacks and most from supply chain attacks happened and in 2021. So from the insurance industry, is is taking a new look on the way they insure provide cybersecurity insurance. And to your point, Lauren, they are adding all these details, compliance with the ISO controls or whatever the, the, the mandates are. But they're looking at these things with the, with the magnifying lens. Uh, whether uh, even if you are uh, in general compliance, but you miss one thing here and there, which could be a very minor thing in audit, uh, they will actually, uh, they have the ability to decline the, uh, the coverage. One good example is really CNA. Uh, if you recall earlier this year or possibly mid of this year, CNA financial was, uh, was hacked or was, uh, they had the ransomware issue. They ended up paying about $40 million dollars. And now the news uh, on the street is not actually seen a news on it, but really from part of my CISO community that the insurance firm has uh, declined to cover them, uh, cover the $40 million loss. So there's a concern that's spread it as soon as this news 
uh, came out that what exactly is my obligation? Uh, everyone is concerned about it. Uh, what to what to do in the future? Uh, am I covered? Am I just paying that much of a premium for nothing? So I'm expecting a lot of changes to come, a lot of more details, more, more oversight uh, possibly. So certainly that is something that's on my list as well. Uh, that's from the uh, cybersecurity insurance perspective. Uh, but supply chain attacks, yes, they we did see them. They're gonna continue to rise. I mean, we just paid again. I mean, I'm gonna use CNA for example. This forty million dollar for one group of hackers, and that when we start paying that kind of money, the people who are been sitting on the sidelines, they will jump in as well. We don't realize it in the United States or in Western Europe, but that is a big business of. The hacking is business. Uh, even though I recall my first interaction was about something like that was in 2007 when uh, we found out that they actually run an office. Uh, their people work from nine to five uh, at a job in some country in Eastern Europe where their job is to hack people and demand ransom. So we'll see increase in upcoming months uh, across the board. We already seen increase in and the, the folks are attacking it's not specific to the the big banks, the the big insurance companies, or financial uh, firms. Uh, they're attacking everyone uh, from from a small mom and shop business operations to J.P. Morgan's of the world. So we'll kind of we'll continue to see increase in that segment as well. Great, thank you. That's really great um, information from both of you. Paula, do you have anything else you would like to comment? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Operation resilience is just going to continue to accelerate. I mean, there's a lot of discussion in the analyst community around organizational resilience and you know the differences between you know, operational resilience and organizational resilience. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. Organizational resilience is a little fluffier, more ambiguous, tends to be more focused on things like HR and, and, and finance and less on like the day-to-day operating elements necessary to deliver a critical product or service. It lacks a, a real regulatory trigger, at least at this juncture. I think we're going to continue to see um, a lot of focus on AI and um, machine learning, you know, predictive technologies. I think one thing that really hasn't picked up a lot of steam, but it's been kind of on the periphery of the discussion has been like, how do you use, it's more around like the internet of things, right? Like how do you use sensors to, especially as we kind of go back to more of a physical world, like is there an opportunity for the use of sensors and other types of smart devices to enforce like various controls and, and measure more effectively? One thing that's come up quite a bit in recent panels, and I think this will just accelerate as we kind of define the new world of work is Kind of this element of behavioral science and especially because there's a ton of ambiguity as to what the future of work will look like ultimately. <laughs> um, I think we're writing the script as we go, but like thinking about behavioral science and like what's the best way to motivate people and ensure that you have proper governance um, in place. And I, I love this trend that I'm seeing within the compliance community. And I know Lauren, you could elaborate on this point, uh, but the compliance less as like the person running around with a stick, more as someone who is a change enabler who sets the guardrails by which you operate the business and 
effectively manages change for the organization. I think with the emergence of ESG as um, a key focus for the organization, like that's going to be more and more the case, you know, risk and compliance as business enablers, as opposed to um, just, you know, loss or prevention or um, risk prevention. So I think that's a really exciting development. I know we talk a bit already in our messaging around risk and resilience and even compliance is like a a performance enabler or there's the dual sided nature of risk. It's not just about sensing those things that could go awry or would be bad for your organization, but also spotting opportunities and the chaos that surround us, surround us every day more as a strategic measure or, or using that data to really sense and predict how likely it is that you are able um, to achieve your strategic objectives, you know, staying on the, the course and the trajectory that you are. So I think that's super interesting. I mean, some of the other things I think were mostly touched on, I think the role of like good risk management and innovation. We talk a lot in our roundtables about kind of the concept of um, risk tolerance and how risk tolerances are actually not, like they're not even across the organization, especially large organizations, because depending on the business unit and what you're trying to do, your risk thresholds are different, right? And, And so the regulators actually say that they expect that, like that's a healthy indicator um, that you've done the work to really assess what, you know, those tolerances um, and that appetite is. So I think that would be a really interesting topic. And the networked economy, I think is, is sort of like, there's a lot of work being done in Safi. You could probably talk much more extensively to this, but a lot of consortium groups kind of forming specific to um, cybersecurity. And um, so how can we band together more as a collective or like an ecosystem in, in just creating like smarter, more resilient ecosystems? And so that kind of speaks to like third party as well. Like how are we all relying on one another and then the cascading impacts of disruption. And I think like just generally like board and executive agendas and how like not only in the case of ESG, but also just disruption generally has become business as usual. So that's really influenced the way that our boards and executives think about risk and even things like strategic planning. And I think Lauren, you touched on this concept of like reputational risk, but I feel like it's always been the case that you, you know, it could take like decades or even a century to build a brand, but it can be destroyed overnight. I feel like that risk has just accelerated or been amplified. Uh, yeah, and it's not just with compliance issues. Now it's everything. So yeah. Exactly. I, I would say that uh, until now, until until December of last year, when I have heard the word solar winds, uh, I had different thing in my mind. So something else pop up that worked monitoring solution that I have used extensively in the past, in my past life. Uh, but now, every time, is it me or one of my colleagues, whenever we hear the, the term solar winds, the first thing goes, oh, the hack. So, so yes, the reputation damage uh, that's being done is, is huge. I agree with the point that it'll take decades to get out of uh, something like that. Yeah, and, and to follow your point before, when you were talking about how risk and compliance have become kind of like the champions and change enablers, I, I think an important point to make in that discussion is that 
it ties back to your value proposition of your organization. And nearly every organization has some version of trust, integrity, I don't know, pick a word in that theme as a value, but reputational damage is when you, when you're putting that front, right on the front that you have these values, you really have to live and breathe them. So you don't run into that rep, like reputational damage and, and you can better explain incidents as a one-off if they do occur. So it's really that cultural change and, and that, you know, championing of, of that culture of compliance, integrity, ethics, risk, risk management, et cetera. And that's precisely is, right? And uh, I like the same point that Paula mentioned, and she, she said that compliance is often viewed as someone chasing the people to do their job with a stick, right? Uh, and that's exactly what it is. So how, how people have seen uh, this, that a compliance is just a check in the box. But what we really need to see, and uh, this is a number of organizations are working towards, is there is about creating a security and compliance culture is something that is built into the design, the training, and uh, security something that... Uh, people, uh, security, privacy, and compliance are some of these things that people uh, should think about from the very beginning. And a number of uh, organizations are focusing their efforts towards creating a more more robust, more security-centric, privacy-centric, compliance-centric security culture. And that's the hard change, right? Is that cultural change? Because like you just said, Safi, you can have a compliance program and you can check the box that you did the thing, whatever, whatever it is, like whether it's financial, IT, resiliency related, you can check the box that you're doing it, but regulators are actually looking at what your value system and value structures are if there is an incident and organizations that have shown that they do have values and, and you know, good structures in place and good practices that are continuously improved in place are not as harshly fined um, as some of their, you know, counterparts. And I think that's important to, to note that it's not a one and done. It's a lifelong living, breathing process. And I think that's something that the regulators, you know, continue to reinforce with the, with the community is that like, we're all learning together, right? No, nobody has the secret sauce as to what works every time. And, but at the same time, you were, we're always getting a bit better, but the inherent like under, and this goes back to machine learning and AI, right? Like being able to capture what's happening in environment, understand it, you know, test like a theoretical response or put in the right controls or preventative measures. And then, you know, as you kind of work through those responses, learn what works and what doesn't. Not, and not only capturing those insights on a micro scale, like looking at the macro overall, as, and this, I think this is the opportunity with Fusion, right? How do we create more discrete, you know, best practices and benchmarks and eventually put ourselves in a position where we're able to articulate and direct our customers based on what we've seen work. And, and so I think that is so exciting to see that evolution. And I think you hit the nail on the head, like this is just a continuous process of learning and um, you're never really done. Is there anything else anyone wants to add on? I think uh, Lauren mentioned the fines. We continue to see more of these things coming up because uh, as governments are getting serious, regulators are getting serious, they start uh, issuing fines when there's fine a lapse in the uh, compliance. So certainly something more to come over there. And also criminal penalties 
a component of Dora's is potential criminal penalties for, for the executives who, who did or did not implement it. And, and you see that with broad legislation in the US. If something's a severe and persistent problem, like Volkswagen, for example, you know, there, there's a criminal component attached to the, the wrongdoing. And, and it's not, you know, necessarily the person on the bottom, but but it is going to be the executive who who sanctioned and condoned that culture. It's been great learning from all of you today. Thank you all again for your insights and thank you to our listeners for joining us on Building a More Resilient World, sponsored by Fusion Risk Management. Have a good one.